So like I said, these are all great things, these different recommendations. And as I've strayed from goal setting more and more, I see how these things are beneficial. I kind of see why they were what were told to us, but I feel like some lines need to be blurred, right? So here's where I believe we go wrong with goal setting. Hey there, I'm Renee, a self-proclaimed shopaholic turned minimalist. In just three years, my family and I downsized our house, paid off debt, and I learned to make passive income online so I could work anytime, anywhere. We did all of this in pursuit of a life of more freedom, flexibility, and fun. And the crazy part is, the more I detached from my stuff, the more I was able to let go of pesky habits like people-pleasing, saying yes to everyone, and being who I thought I was supposed to be rather than showing up authentically as who I am. That's why I want you to see the Unstuffed podcast not as a place for all things decluttering and organizing, but rather as a place where together we can unload it all. From donating those pants that no longer fit to bidding adieu to those relationships that have run their course, I want you to see our time together as a time where you can unwind, let go, come as you are, and there is no need to apologize for the mess. So let's shed some layers, drop some dead weight, and start living a little less stuffed. Welcome to the Unstuffed Podcast. Hey there, I'm Renee. Welcome back to the Unstuffed Podcast. Today, I am going way back into the vaults of my blog posts uh, because I stumbled upon this post that I wrote some time in the past and I kind of revamped it because I really loved the contents of it and thought it would be kind of perfect since we are still making our way into this brand new year with brand new goals and ideals set for who we want to be, how we want to show up, all that jazz. Um, So if you are someone who sets goals or has set New Year's resolutions and they don't always seem to stick, or maybe you even burn out really quick, you're one of those people who, you know, you go hard hard and strong in January and you crash come February. Hopefully this post um, offers some insight because... I know it took me a hot minute to learn some of the lessons that I'm sharing in here. So let's talk about why it might be time to stop setting goals and what you can do instead. So a few years ago, I got super swept up into the wide world of goal setting. It all started when I started the blog. So this was way back in 2017. I paid for trainings that continually told me to set goals to grow my blog. And it was really helpful in a lot of ways because I was able to track the blog's progress. So while I do love the concepts and see where the benefits lie, I also found that goal setting was a bottomless pit of despair. And that might sound dramatic, but it's pretty much what it felt like for me, at least. Without much warning, I kind of quietly snuck out of the goal setting culture, which really stunk because I wanted the benefits of goal setting. I I had goals for my life. I had things that I wanted to do and achieve, but goal setting itself and the way I was going about it, the way I had been told to go about it was really not working. And I began to find that there were others like me 
who found that this whole goal setting thing can actually lead to major setbacks. So if you've been struggling with setting and sticking to goals, I wanted to share some reasons why maybe it's not working for you either, because it wasn't working for me the way I first went about it. So what are some goal setting concepts? Without fail, the majority of the content I have found that centers around goal setting usually goes by the same set of rules. You know, it was almost as if they all just kind of regurgitated what the people who had come before them had to say. And as obnoxious as it sounds, but very true, most of the books that I was reading um, were written by like... 40-year-old white dudes, you know, (laughs) Um, and while they had seen success, you know, now these years later, it's like, well, of course you saw success. You're a 40, you're, you're a white dude. And, you know, you maybe came from money or that kind of thing. There's just so many more aspects to it. And as a woman, I have really learned to understand that men are going to set goals differently than we are. Uh, men with a different background, people with a different background are going to need to set goals differently than me. Um, It's no wonder that none of it was working. So here were some of the things that I continued to hear about goal setting. Uh, You know, think of something you want. Imagine the feeling of having this thing already. And I love that part. That's great. They're set big, scary goals. And a lot of times these were setting big financial goals. And I had this like fear or anxiety around it. But I was like, oh, it's supposed to be scary. It's supposed to be scary. Um, There's a difference between like that fearful, scary, excited and horrified panic anxiety, right? Which one is going to allow us to accomplish our goals? Like this, like, oh my God, I'm so, I'm so nervous, but I'm so excited or, oh my God, okay, but I'm going to do this because this white dude told me to, you know, which one is going to be more likely to propel us forward? (sighs) If only I would have known the difference. Other things were like, give yourself an end date to set this goal by. You're going to have it done by this day. Break down your goal into baby steps. That's great. I love that concept. Small steps. Tell someone else about your goal. That was another thing that induced so much anxiety into me. And it was almost like the second I would say it to someone else, I didn't want to do it anymore. Telling our goals can be a big, scary, really vulnerable thing. And the idea of being told to set goals that scare us, while I like I understand the concept of it, it can really work against us if we're setting goals that um, scare the hell out of us. That's just not that's just not how we should be showing up, right? So, like I said, these are all great things. These different recommendations, and as I've strayed from goal setting more and more, I see how these things are beneficial. I kind of see why they were what were told to us. But I feel like some lines need to be blurred, right? So here's where I believe we go wrong with goal setting. If these are all simple enough, these little goals, these little things to do, um, where is it then that we start going wrong when it comes to setting goals? In my experience, there have been three major pitfalls that are very rarely addressed, if ever. Number one, we want the results, not the work. Jay Shetty gave an example in his book, Think Like a Monk. He talks about when he first arrived at his monastery, there was an elder monk who was showing him around like the campus, you know, I kind of envisioned in my mind. And this elder monk gestured toward a fellow monk um, and then stated that this particular monk had memorized over 200 verses of scripture. I don't know if it was the 
um, shoot, I, I don't want to say Bhagavad Gita. I'm saying it wrong for sure. But so let's be clear, as if this isn't obvious. I'm retelling the story as best I can from memory. Um, but Jay responded when he was told this by saying that he wished he could have 200 verses memorized, to which his the elder monk turned to him and asked something along the lines of, do you want to have scripture memorized or do you want to go through the process of memorizing? That's such a like head scratcher, big realization. And Jay Shetty, of course, goes on to talk about how, you know, the monk who memorized all the scripture didn't set out to memorize 200 things, like 200 verses. He just devoured the scripture. He started reading the books. He enjoyed it and therefore memorized it. He liked the process of doing it. Um, and the story always stuck with me because, you know, Jay in this book references, like, did I want to go through the process of doing that? Probably not. You know, how often in life do we get caught up in an end result thinking that it is all we need to be happy, right? We just need the end result. If I have the end result, I'll be more worthwhile. I'll be more intelligent. People will take me more seriously. If I have that, I'll be happy. But even Jim Carrey, so much different from a monk, is quoted as saying, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. And I've seen people who respond to that quote, like, oh, easy for him to say, blah, blah, blah. Um, it is easy for him to say because he has most likely accomplished all the big goals he set out. Like we know he has. He's, you know, gotten the money. He's gotten the fame. He's made the movies. And he's saying still not the answer, right? Still not totally satisfied. That's not the end all be all. And to have someone who has done that much share with us, you know, that it's still not all that great. This isn't the answer. All the stuff, all the goals isn't the answer. Well, that's really helpful to me. And I deeply appreciate that he shared that. One of our major setbacks when it comes to setting goals is that we only want those end results and don't actually want to enjoy the process of getting there, right? We want the scriptures memorized. We don't want to read them all. We want the fame and fortune, but don't want the backlash that comes with it. Even still, I think a lot of people accomplish their goals without thoroughly enjoying the process. They're just determined enough to make it happen. So there are some people who, you know, really maybe don't enjoy it. Or if they do enjoy it, it's because they're one of those people, definitely not like me, who can just knock goals right out of the park. You know, they were the kids who got gold stars, A's on every test. They were just killing it at life. So they're enjoying the process. In my experience, from what I've seen or witnessed, is that these people enjoy the process because they're good at it and it's easy and they're flying through the steps. And, you know, they have this determination to get to their goals. And then I could only imagine that this is what so often leads to that midlife crisis and the realization that oftentimes, you know, people have built a life chasing goals that weren't really in alignment with who or what or how they want to show up. And then they're faced with those big panicky, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life moments? Because while they were enjoying the process, it was only because they were winning. They were only getting there, right? It wasn't necessarily that they were enjoying the process itself. Number two, 
strict goals make us paddle too hard. Most goal-setting books, teachers, motivational posters have kind of that like go hard or go home type of mindset to them. Very drill sergeant-like. It kind of reminds me of um, this episode from Parks and Recreation. So I know I'm taking a big leap from monk talk to TV sitcoms, but just stay with me for a second. So if you haven't seen Parks and Rec, there is this one episode in particular where there's two men in the office, Ron Swanson and Chris Traeger, and they're having somewhat of a bet about which method works better for motivating employees to get tasks done. Ron believes that a strict demanding rules with a threat of punishment works best, and Chris believes that optimistic encouragement works best. They test their theory on poor, beaten-down office employee named Jerry. We'll say Jerry. If For those of you who watch Parks and Rec, you know why I'm like, let's just go with Jerry. Both of these men tell Jerry to file different colored folders in their respected manners, and they wait to see which folders he files faster. So Ron comes in, and he's like, Jerry, these need to be filed immediately, and if you don't get them done, I'm going to dock your pay or something like that, something dramatic. I think he comes in second, actually. But Chris came in first going, hey, Jerry, buddy, you're doing such a great job. Could you get these filed for me, please? That would be really great, you know, and you're doing a fantastic job. You know, they both kind of come in with their different opposite approaches. Well, the final make-believe results are that Ron's folders are filed faster, but filed incorrectly because he came in with the get it done, fearful, got to do it punishment attitude. And Chris's folders were filed correctly, but he didn't get through all of them because Ron came in and interrupted. So he didn't, it took him longer to file all his folders, but he did them correctly because he was given that kind of like ease, no rush, but optimistic encouragement. So what I'm getting at is that a lot of times we set these strict goals for ourselves with deadlines and scary numbers that make us feel anxiety about how big they are. And we might inadvertently activate that fight or flight mode within ourselves that causes us to go into a state of total panic. In doing this, we can begin paddling too hard, working too much like poor Jerry. We do everything all wrong, thereby never accomplishing our goal and burning ourselves out in the process. Which brings me to number three. Failed goals make us feel like failed people sometimes. If we fall into the trap of paddling too hard or working too strictly toward our goals and inevitably fail or fall short of our perhaps unrealistic standards, We chalk ourselves up to being a total failure and rob ourselves of all motivation to keep going or try again. This again reminds me of learned helplessness. I saw a TikTok video that I'm sure had been reshared from somewhere else of a teacher who gave her whole class a homework assignment to do during class out loud, right? Half the class was given one sheet and half the class was given the other. Um, But they didn't know this. So half the class, you know, had a completely different sheet and had no clue. The teacher goes through and asks the class to solve the unscrambling of the words. So they need to unscramble these words. They go through and do problem number one. And she says, when you're done with problem number one, raise your hand. Right. And 
everyone on the right side of the classroom raises their hands because they're done. And everyone on the other side of the classroom doesn't. She goes, okay, let's go on to problem number two. Raise your hand when you're done. She does something like this, right? Again, can't directly say that this is for sure. At the end of class, they have, so the third, the third question, this is what it was. The third question or the last question, the last scrambling was possible for everyone in the classroom, right? Everyone could unscramble this word. It was a real word. The first two words for half the classroom were not. They were just total nonsense, impossible to actually unscramble them. They were nonsense words. So half of the class was set up to fail. And the other class was set up to succeed. When it came to do the third word, the the word that anybody could do, the whole class was able to do it. It was America, I think was the word. The class that had been given the two made up words, the class that had been set up to fail, the side of the class that had been set up to fail, they could not unscramble the third word. I hope I'm explaining this well enough. Um, Because because the first two rounds, they had seen the other half of the class doing really well, getting it, answering all the problems, that kind of thing. They'd seen the other side of the classroom doing well, and they're going, what the heck is wrong with me? Because they were given literally impossible to solve things, right? This is part of that learned helplessness. When we continue to set goals like this that are so hard, that are so strict, and then we fail at them, we begin to just have that learned helplessness. Like, I am not good at setting goals. I am not good at accomplishing things. I am not good at sticking to what I say. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. I'm not good at this. And we're less likely to even try, which is just something I relate to on too deep of a level. So let's talk about my ice cream for breakfast theory really quick. Remember when you were a kid and there was that time when you wanted ice cream for breakfast? Maybe you ran into the kitchen begging your mom or dad to let you have ice cream for breakfast, like just this one time, just this one time. Now, as an adult, can I ask you, what was it that you really wanted in this moment? If you were begging for ice cream for breakfast or even for dessert, whatever it might be. If you're anything like I was as a kid, you were probably chasing that total joy of having something unexpected, giving in to all of your sugary craving impulses. You wanted the fun stuff without waiting for it. Ice creamy goodness in place of what might normally have been a healthy meal. However, there's a good chance you were denied this wish by your parents. As kids, we assumed they were just on a secret mission to destroy our lives, total sabotage, and keep it void of all fun. In reality, they no doubt believed that if you accomplished this goal of having ice cream for breakfast and always ate ice cream for breakfast, there was a chance you would have started to experience some negative side effects. Mood swings, health struggles, and those no good rotting teeth that all the dentists warned us about. Now, Personally, I'm actually down for being the kind of mom who allows the occasional ice cream for breakfast. We only live once after all, and sometimes I want ice cream for breakfast. (laughs) Remember, I said occasional as a parent, okay? So I can appreciate and understand why any mom would turn down ice cream, right? They want something better for us than an impulsive sugar rush at 8 a.m., The same concept of ice cream for breakfast still comes into play in our adult lives. Uh, So like, let it be known that we are all still basically some version of our childlike self simply masquerading as an adult who has their shit together. You know that, right? A lot of times we think 
we as an adult, you know, know what we want or what we need to be happy or to achieve success. And we go after it with that childlike impulse desire, except we have no one holding us back because they know better. So let's write down a goal that you want to write a book. Say that's a goal of yours. And that's a great goal. The first thing I want to encourage you to do is ask yourself, why? What feeling are you hoping to accomplish from this goal? Do you just have a passion for writing? Is there a story you feel you have inside you that will change the world or at least make people laugh or bite their nails? Have you always dreamed of being a writer? Do you feel obligated to write a book in order to be seen as an expert? Is there someone in your life who wrote a book so you feel like you have to too? Checking in with ourselves to find our true motivation, our true desires can shed a lot of light on whether or not this is a goal we have the stamina or willpower to complete. Now, I'm not saying that goal setting doesn't work for some people or that it doesn't work at all. It's just that I think there are more things to consider beyond the same straightforward processes that are that are always shared. Like I said, they're just regurgitated over and over again. Here are some ways that I have learned about and applied to my life that have allowed me to continue to work toward more or better things in my life without working against myself, burning out or hating myself for making mistakes. And trust me, that last part took a lot of unlearning and I'm probably still doing it. Here are some practical ways I have personally found to be beneficial in setting realistic goals that don't totally freak me out or push me into quitting. Number one, try daily goals. Instead of big, far-off goals that feel almost impossible, start with small, tangible goals that you can work toward on the daily. If you are already at the bottom of the barrel and feeling like a failure, might I suggest goals that you can't really fail at? I mean, unless you do absolutely nothing. Examples of fail-proof goals are drink one glass of water before you drink coffee in the morning. Walk around the block, one walk around the block, or even walk more, get a certain number of steps in in the day, or email five potential clients, or even just delete 20 unnecessary emails, something like that. Setting small goals that steer you toward better things can be a great way to take the pressure off those big goals. Number two, set emotional goals. Usually when we dream of having or achieving something, it's because there is an emotion behind it that we crave. Take the time to ask yourself what emotion you are seeking and what are some simple things you could do today to help you feel that emotion. For example, if you are really craving ice cream for breakfast because I brought it up, maybe you want to feel more enjoyment when eating breakfast than you normally do, try adding some cinnamon sugar to your usually plain buttered toast. Or if you're steering clear of sugar, try turning on a favorite episode of a TV show or eating breakfast outside while the sun rises. You can still make breakfast feel like a treat without food. There are so many ways that allow us to meet our emotional needs that require little to no effort or goal setting on our part. Number three, aim for serving goals. One type of goal setting that is commonly overlooked is the type of goal that allows us to serve others and leave a lasting impact. In fact, one common thing that most people miss in their lives is 
the understanding that showing up to serve the world as a whole fulfills our lives in a way, way bigger way than we could ever imagine. When we attach our goals to a higher purpose, it gives us a lot more motivation to stick with them. On the other hand, if our goals stay stuck in the mode of only serving ourselves and our wants, we might achieve them, but we will still probably be left feeling empty-handed, kind of like Jim Carrey told us we would. Another important thing to remember is that sometimes goals get shifty. You've got to allow your dreams to shift. There are some dreams in my life that have definitely come true and they didn't look exactly like I imagined. For example, when I was freshly divorced at the age of 20, I was a headstrong female empowerment mode of living where I wrote down a list of things I wanted and didn't want in a future partner. There was no way in hell I was settling for anything less than the absolute best. I was done with that. Again, I didn't set out to create a deadline for this goal. It was more of an emotion-led wish to the universe. I couldn't even call it a prayer. It was a steadfast knowing of what I wanted, and I put my whole heart behind it. Within a few weeks of writing it, I met a guy who checked off everything on my list, except he had kids and he was bald. (laughs) I guess I didn't specify enough. I'm kidding, of course. These things were welcome due to the fact that this man had been quite literally everything I had dreamed about. And to be fair, he wasn't totally bald when we met. I basically put the bick in his hand because even though I didn't write it on my list, dating a guy with a horseshoe haircut at the age of 20 wasn't something I was totally digging. So remember, be willing and be open to embrace any changes or shifts that might come into the goal setting process. When changes happen, check in with yourself. How do these things feel in your body? Do they feel good? If so, go with it. I once heard that if your head and your heart are in agreement, then you have absolutely nothing to worry about. So before you launch head first into this new year with everything you've got, maybe consider slowing yourself down just a notch and asking yourself, why am I setting these goals? Do I just want the end result or do I want the whole process? Hey again, thanks so much for hanging out with me today on the Unstuffed Podcast. It means so much that you chose to carve out some of your precious time just to hang out with me. If you aren't quite ready for our time to end, head to the show notes where you can grab my free declutter checklist, join my newsletter subscription and connect with me on some of your favorite social platforms. Sending you so much love until next time.